Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest news in tech from around Ireland and across the world every Friday evening on RTE Radio or of course you can get it first Friday mornings or indeed anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Dusty Rhodes coming up today on episode 876. We're talking about the right to repair. Uh, Google Play Store is taking with one hand and giving with the other or is it the other way around? And Audacity, uh, the free audio editor, has been causing all the scandal on the internet today. We'll find out all about that as we chat with our editor-in-chief, uh, Niall Kitson. Uh, Niall, I'm, I'm looking fondly back on this time last year uh, when we were saying to ourselves, yeah, Grant, we just got the summer out of the way, uh, working from home, and we'll be back in the office by September. And here we are, 12 months later, nothing's changed. Yeah, well, I mean, if you go back even further to the previous March, mm. where, you know, all the talk was, OK, we're going into a two week lockdown, guys, and we're going to flatten the curve and then we'll be fine. <laughs> that we we know things are going to, you know, we'll get a blip and pe- everyone that's going to get it will get it. And then it'll yeah. not quite vanish, but it'll tail off and we'll be fine. Um, and of course, we are where we are ever since then. But I mean, we've had two fairly momentous life events in the last few weeks, haven't we? I mean, I, I just got a, got my second job there the other day. I wouldn't call getting the job a momentous life event. So it's not up there with, oh. you know, kind of, I, I'll never forget the day I got married and I'll never forget the day I got vaccinated. <laughs> well, I tell you, when I'm able to sit in a coffee shop again and have oh. a sandwich and stuff like that, yeah. that it, that's going to be a momentous day as far as that I'm concerned. That will be a momentous day, yeah. Because this this lark of kind of like, you know, outdoor dining or having pints outdoors doesn't work because you're so reliant on the weather. It doesn't work in a temperate climate, I tell you that much. Uh, I was I was all looking forward to this in, in theory because I'd been going down and, you know, having coffees outside places. Yeah. And uh, I was at home and all of a sudden the heavens opened and we had monsoon conditions. And it just occurred to me that, yeah, this is why we don't do outdoor dining in Ireland an awful lot. Yeah. <laughs> Temperate climates are not are not great for this kind of thing. Um, so, you know, here's to a, here's to a healthy and profitable outdoor summer. But I mean, the, the sooner I become invincible, the better. <laughs> You're invincible already, Niall. <laughs> Thank you. Do, you know, do you know who I feel sorry for? I was, it was on the news uh, the other day is people, adults who are living at home with their parents. 90% of them say they don't want to be living with their parents. And it's whatever about that story, but can you just imagine, like, you know, the last year stuck? I mean, it's bad enough living with your parents, but being stuck in and COVID and lockdown and everything like that. Oh, my heart goes out for them. Yeah, well, especially in this housing market as well, where, you know, it's not it's not a choice. It's a it's a necessity. Yeah. But, oh, of course. Um, yeah. You know, this this does open up a nice little conversation space for us because we're we're both hoping to do a little bit of travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the near future. So uh, we've got our vaccinations, but we're going to have to be issued with our digital passports oh, as well. So don't call it a digital passport. You're not allowed to mm-hmm. call it. They've, been, they've, they've had arguments left, right and centre for months saying that it's not called a digital passport. 
I don't I don't care what they call it so long as it works. Yeah, well, I think well, I think politically and and, and whichever it's, they can't kind of say that if you don't have this you can't travel because that's limiting your uh, your freedom and your right to travel. Um, but mm. I think I think the where it is and where it work very successfully is is that if you have one, life is really easy. And from what I understand around the rest of Europe, each country has got their own, you know, kind of health organization or their own app or whatever it is. But anyway, uh, all of them kind of work the same way in that you will log in and be able to somehow tell this app that you have had a vaccination. So we would I think it's going to work that we would log into our social account or our Department of Health account. I don't know what way they're going to do it. But anyways, um, but you scan something in the app and then the app will then know that you're OK and you're registered with the EU database. And then you rock up to the airport, uh, you just show this little QR code and it just goes green on the machine and you're through like in two seconds. Yeah, that's that's assuming now you have the the app or, you know, the web page open or mm. what have you. Uh, an awful lot of people won't have that. So you will need a, a printed uh, page. I think a lot of people will. Because at any time, like I've been flying, in the, well, sorry, <laughs> when I remember flying. Um, <laughs> Back in the day. most No, but what I'm saying is, mo- yeah, but most people uh, were, were uh, getting on the plane and they had their phones. They were using the QR code on their phones for the uh, for the boarding pass. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. somebody, yeah. So like, I think the two of them, and then I think the airlines at the moment are kind of saying, uh, and this is back to technology. All right. They're going, okay. Having that, the problem with having a smartphone and then having two different apps and then two different QR codes that you have to scan at the same time, probably before you get on the plane uh, is a bit tricky. Um, mm. And what the airlines are saying is, is if there was some kind of a way where when you're making your booking, and you have one of these certs or whatever that you can register it with your booking as you do with your passport. That would be nice. But, mm. but there's always the threat of identity fraud. Uh, so how do you how do you mitigate that? That's that's a huge issue, a huge problem. But I suppose mm. in the same way that you can check in for your flight 72 hours in advance, why why wouldn't you be able to add your um, your COVID cert as an, an addendum to your boarding pass? I think that's absolutely that would be pretty easy. Uh, one little thing to note. Mm. If this thing is being brought in, which which of course it is, whatever way it's implemented, you're going to have to add on a little bit to your, your your traditional arrival, get through customs, get through everything time. So if you're somebody that takes, you know, maybe an hour to get through at a, a leisurely place, make sure you give yourself two hours just just because we don't know what the backlog is going to be. If it yeah. takes you know, the person in front of you five extra minutes, what about the person in front of them and in front of them in front of them? For anybody who's travelled, okay, here's here's the picture I will put in your head, all right, for anybody who's used to Dublin Airport, because that's, that's the one I'd be most familiar with, all right. Uh, in mm-hmm. Terminal 1, which is the terminal I would normally use, when you're just going through the security area, when you're entering the security area, and you have to scan your code off your ticket or your phone or whatever it is just to get through the barrier so you can proceed to security, right? There are Mm. always delays on that thing because people can't take the damn code and scan it properly. Or you can flip it around the other way and you can say that the darn machines can't read the code properly and doesn't open the gate. There are always delays. So if it's like that with your boarding pass and then you're going to add in your your health uh, certificate, green cert, whatever it's called, Ah, nightmare. Listen, I, I just kind of have a feeling that a lot of people are succumbing to the scaremongering uh, and they're going to stay at home. They're just not going to bother. They don't need the grief. Well, 
I'm not sure. Like there is an awful lot of appetite there to go on holidays, a lot of mm. money saved because mm-hmm. people haven't been spending in the last year. Uh, I think, you know, national cabin fever is, is definitely a thing. So there will be an appetite to travel. And if you're fully vaccinated, yay, go for it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even better if you happen to be traveling to a country where conditions maybe uh, are slightly more relaxed than here. So you get That's sort of true. a more of a regular feeling holiday experience then yeah. then you know absolutely go for it and if you if you have your vaccination surgery it will mean that you won't have to self isolate when you when you arrive um so that's kind of nice so you know in some cases the city break might make a might make a return for for a lot of people yeah so it it all comes down to the implementation yeah the only thing that would go through the back of my head is you know if you're going away on a two week trip <laughs> anything can happen in two weeks well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Listen, and depending, listen. you know, the, yeah. Let, let's 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 stay optimistic. <laughs> uh, listen, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I do want to talk about is uh, in okay. the states they are working on uh, right to repair. Yeah. Now this is a fascinating topic that we dip mm. in and out of every every so often uh, because it's yeah. something that uh, every time we look at it, there's a little bit more momentum behind it, and you know it it is it does make an awful lot of sense, and it's going to affect all our consumer goods, all our pieces of consumer technology. Uh, it's part of the the EU plan for a circular economy, which is great. Yep. Um, it's part of you know an international waste management uh, problem, especially where you have these vast barges of of waste being turned away from uh, mm. you know the likes of China and countries that traditionally would take vast amounts of e-waste office you're not doing that anymore um, mm. and people just being so much more uh, carbon aware and more interested in getting you know the biggest bang for their book actually side note what do you think the average lifespan of a laptop is oh listen don't 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 get me started not not market value like the the laptop on your desk at home with moderate usage those laptops if you are looking at general office work looking at the web and doing some email basic stuff right i i would say and i know uh, that you will easily get 10 years out of them personally i would as well but apparently the average lifespan is only 5 years and that's you see that's where you need to be careful with the question you're asking. What is the shelf life that you could get out of them? And then what is because the manufacturers are coming? This is where Windows 11 is kind of falling down with a lot of people because Windows 11 is saying that you need to have certain spec uh, machine in order to be able to operate the software. Apple do this all of the time. They go, yay, here's our Mm. great spangly new OS. Oh, sorry, did you buy a machine three years ago? It's too old. Yeah, yeah. So there's that kind of, there's the difference between, you know, kind of what they want and they're they're kind of artificially making them old before their time and what they actually really will last for. Lots and lots of machines that are 10 years old are absolutely fine. But just trying to keep up with modern software. Yeah, my Windows 7 laptop lasted 10 years and granted when it when it came to the end of its life cycle it really was old yeller and had to be taken out the back um yeah. but you know i got extremely good value out of it for uh, quite a lot of usage like it was a it was a good workhorse of a of a thing um mm. so one of the interesting things about um laptops these days as you know and i suppose smartphones as well but i'm, I'm talking laptops first because the, this is primarily where the right to repair i i think uh in personal technology really, really takes off because we're used to being able to upgrade laptops and PCs. 
you know, mm. they're modular, you, you know, RAM and SSDs, you know, being the two most popular uh, things to, to upgrade. Yeah. Um, occasionally people replace their, their motherboards for very, very, very early. But these laptops are now being designed in such a way that RAM is being fused into the motherboard. The, you know, CPU is being fused. The hard drives are positioned in such a way as to make them pretty much unmovable. Um, it's all part of sort of the design-led philosophy that um, produces absolutely immaculate looking products that are really, really difficult to deal with if something goes wrong. Well, when you start soldering in your RAM and when you start soldering in your, your hard drives as they are doing, but you still should be able to replace the motherboard. Yeah, the most modular part of uh, of any sort of device, uh, it, it really should be quite, you know, open season on them, really, uh, because most of them mm. are made by third parties anyway. Um, so why why should it be such a big deal? But, uh, you know, PCs being the front line, but if you also look at, uh, I suppose, what's, what's the most, um, uh, what piece of gadgetry has the shortest life cycle, it's probably your phone. Uh, which is every bit as complicated as a, a, a mid-range mm-hmm. laptop at this stage, uh, if not slightly more so. Um, could you imagine how we, you know, how great it would be if you were able to get an additional year, even out of the phone that you have, to sort of put off that that additional upgrade? I mean, of course, it's going to affect sales; it's going to re- reduce sales across the board. But um, I, my iPhone Seven is still going strong; it's running iOS fourteen point six just fine. I had to replace the battery uh, a couple of months ago, but I mean, that's the mm. worst that has ever happened. It. What about you? How, how, how old is your current uh, phone? My day-to-day phone, I mess around with a lot of the newer ones, um, but the one that I just have all the time is just the S8. And I'll tell you the reason why I use it. Um, this, above all of the other ones that I've got, is that this is the only one I have that's got a dual SIM in it, which I use because I've got one phone mm. for me and I've got one phone for work. And, it's, and I need... Yeah that kind of separation. So um, that's that's why I have that. But already Samsung uh, are not supporting it anymore. Right. And it's not that old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as I say, it's three, four years old or whatever. However, with all of this stuff going on, as you say, yes, you are correct. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of tech that is there and it's still functional, certainly at a basic level. And it certainly does the job it was intended to very, very well. However, the manufacturers keep getting bigger and better and faster. And if you want to keep up with that, you can. Uh, but if something goes wrong with your older phone, uh, they're making it so that you can't repair it. So you do have to buy a new one. But the EU have been working on right to repair and they now have, um, I can't remember the official name for it, but it's like a repair rating score sticker that they want to bring in. And it'll be kind of like, you know, kind of this this phone is 95% repairable. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's a it's a fantastic idea, and we're we, we're kind of already seen it. I don't know if you're familiar with a website called iFixit. I'm sure you are. They they do sort of teardowns of new devices when they come out, and uh, they have their own repairability score. Uh, and you can see that you know as we're going along, devices are getting much much harder to repair, um, mm. and it's part of it is tied into sort of. Companies are saying, well, look, you can't, nobody, only we can repair our own stuff because, you know, it's tied up with our intellectual property. Mm. And, you know, the the level of expertise required, I mean, you really can't hand this stuff over to a third party. You don't know what you're going to get back. Things could be fixed Mm. improperly and, you know, it could 
end up being, you know, dangerous or, or something like that. And all, all these sort of kind of spurious arguments that, that get sent out, you know, something, uh, it's always, you, you, oh, Europe can always introduce a health test, you know, mm. to go, look, if, if your device is not, you know, workable, if it's not repairable at all, well, then, you know, that's anti-competitive uh, for one. Um, so, you know, why, why would we allow, allow this to be sold in our market? And um, they, they did a similarly great thing years ago by making sure, um, mobile phones went to mini USB and hasn't it been just a fantastic move, you know, no more bespoke chargers and it worked exceedingly well. If your Europe is able to come in and go, okay, here's a, a rating system to see how easy and cheap it will be to get your, this device fixed. God, God forbid something goes wrong with it. Um, I think it's a fantastic idea. It also opens up um, a nice revenue channel for um, manufacturers. And uh, it's great for protecting uh, third-party providers as well. Uh, and also it would mean that if you were to get your um, phone, fi- phone or whatever fixed by a third party, it would not invalidate the warranty. Ah, that could be, but I think by the time you're getting something repaired... It will be out of warranty. Or actually, no, that's uh, that's not true. Yeah, yeah, if you need to get something repaired, it should be repaired under warranty. Do you know what? I mean, we're talking about computers and laptops and stuff that we're used to taking apart and putting in new yeah. bits and pieces to, all right? I would never mm. dream of doing this with a TV. I would never dream of doing this with a, with a washing machine or something like that. So maybe it's just with laptops and phones that maybe the, the happy medium will be, well, a repairman will come around. <laughs> the board is fried, love. You need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> you need a new one. But like the fascinating thing about the right to repair is that it really seems to be led by the state of Massachusetts in America, who mm. introduced uh, a right to repair law. And it looks like it's going to ripple out, but it originally uh, came in to cover farm machinery because what was happening was that tractors were getting, you know, very complicated and computerized and, and whatever. Mm. And the, um, uh, manufacturers were saying, look, if there's a problem, bring it back to the dealership and we'll sort it out. But, you know, farms are large and remote and it can be very difficult to get somebody, you know, not even to come out, but to bring it somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, it just made no sense to uh, to bring these vehicles back to where you got them. So uh, it just became this thing that, yep, you should be able to get somebody else to come out and fix your tractor or whatever. Um, it's not up to them to say what you can and can't do because they can't provide the service you need. And, oh, uh, like and it's, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Uh, and it makes perfect sense for that industry. Um, so to see it ripple out into the consumer space and consumer electronics, really heartening. Um, and I think uh, uh, around America, it's sort of become a practice, if not law, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so that's maybe why we're not, we haven't seen the, the apples of the world sort of embrace it at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm confident it's going to happen. Um, granted, the level of expertise required to fix something competently um, will go up. But, you know, surely the, there must be an onus, an onus on the manufacturers to make sure the training is out there to make sure that you can become, you know, mm. a, a certified, um, a, a certified yeah. uh, repairer. Well, I for one would definitely welcome the uh, the right to repair, and it's kind of like it's like last week when I was I was given out about uh, Apple because I was trying to get in what was a 2014 Mac Mini or something like that, and uh, mm. discovered that I didn't just need the uh, uh, the T6 Torx screwdriver; I needed the T6 security version of that. 
which is just a time. Oh, why do I need a security screw to get in? And then right a repair arrived and I went, hallelujah. Listen, um, we're running out of time. So very quickly, I just wanted to mention mm. uh, Google Play uh, in the headlines this week because 36 of the United States of America are bringing an antitrust uh, case against them, uh, mainly because of the Play Store being so big uh, and being so dominant and the rules that they're putting in for, for people which they don't think is fair. For example, they reduced the commission to 15% recently and you kind of go, oh, 15% is reasonable. Yes, but you must process all of your payments via Google. That's the difference. So anyway, they'll argue that out. Uh, the other big story that we want to cover this week is uh, Audacity, which is a free uh, audio editing software that has got an excellent reputation. That's quite a nice little bit of kit, actually, to be fair. Um, that actually was, and I don't understand how this works, right? Because it's open source software, but it was bought earlier on in the year by mm -hmm. a company who say that they are going to keep it free and they're going to keep it open source and it's going to fit in with other software projects that they have. Uh, the company is called Muse and they do notation, uh, so musical notes and guitar tabs software and that kind of stuff. However, Muse is owned by a Russian-based company who mm -hmm. have introduced some terms and conditions that have got the Twitter apty up in arms. Well, that doesn't take an awful lot. Um, but of course, when, whenever you mention Russia, and Russia is well. just synonymous with espionage and cybercrime, though. So, you know, when you hear something is being taken over by a Russian company, naturally people yeah. get quite upset. Um, similarly, with, with um, China, people naturally get quite upset. Because, and, and it's a case of when you come to a product, you, you expect the terms of service kind of never to change, you know? Like if you sign up for a WeChat account, which is, you know, a, a Chinese um, service, you expect there to be certain limits. If you sign up for, um, what's the um, Russian social network that they're always, that they're always talking about? Um, can't remember off the top of my head now, but you know they come with certain terms and conditions, and you've signed up for a Russian site, so that's that's fine. It's it's in the case where you you're used to using something a certain way, and it gets bought up by what what is in for all intents and purposes, you know, some sort of shadowy overlord, um, with uh, and and you don't know how it's how it's going to be used now. These changes in terms and conditions kind kind of make sense. I mean, it it, it goes back to the. Of a typical thing that if if something is free, you're the product, and they want to make Audacity better, and that requires getting a constant flow of information from users, and that's probably you know God knows how they're going to actually monetize this. Maybe we'll find you know in-app ads or something god awful like that. Um, money will have to be made out of it some way. Um, so I I don't know. Like I mean, I, the idea that I think I think to a certain extent. This stuff is boilerplate. If it, if it is going to be sending, if it's going to be dialing home with the view to making the software better, naturally enough, I think those terms and conditions are standard. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that you would expect. So, you know, kind of the, the stuff that will dial home is the operating system you're using and what version. Um, it'll also, based on your IP, report back to what country you're in. Uh, the CPU. If there's any uh, error codes or crash reports or whatever within the program, it'll send them back as well. Interesting, a lot of people get very upset. They're saying that you can't use it if you're under 13. But the reason behind that is that in the EU, you cannot 
collect data from people who are under 13 years of age. <laughs> so in order to do that, you kind of have to put in a little and don't use this if you're under 13. So they've got the, the workaround, so to speak. Mm, um, yeah. But the bit that's really driving people insane, and uh, when I saw this, I kind of went, whoa, 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 is that they say that they may collect data necessary for law enforcement, litigation and authorities' requests, if any. That's a huge red flag. Uh, you, you, I, do, I do concede. But on one side, right, they have bought the software and it is their software and maybe they're trying to protect the, uh, the IP on it, the intellectual mm-hmm. property. But then again, if it's open source... Nah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. If it's open source, like what's to stop somebody just going, okay, I, I'm going to um, recompile I don't think there my is. copy of... I don't think there is, but I think if you're using their version of it or that, you see that already, do you know what I mean? Already we're going grey area, grey area, grey area. And then mm-hmm. you throw in the fact it's owned by a Russian company. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, what happens next is because the code is open source, yeah. it's going. You're, you're naturally going to see a fork. So there will be an Audacity alternative using the exact same software. Yeah. It'll just uh, be called something else. So it's not the end of the world if you're not an Audacity user, um, no. and an awful lot of people are. You can be fairly sure that you know a, a non-foreign-owned version will be appearing online mm-hmm. in the very near future, especially if there is this level of discomfort. Yeah, with the uh, current commercial arrangement, it's just interesting uh, on on in, within the tech industry to see somebody putting out something like that and and seeing everybody give up arms about it. And it's equally interesting to see that when people do uh, complain on mass that something is done about it, because Audacity are saying no, uh, like everybody's getting upset because of the way we've worded it. We're going to go away and we're going to come back with much clearer, less ambiguous wording so you know exactly what we're doing. That's kind of like, oh, that's fair enough. And WhatsApp had the same problem a couple of months ago when all of a sudden they just threw out new terms and conditions and you must agree to this within the next three days or you won't be able to use our service ever again. And people were quite rightly up in arms and they went back and they went, whoa, 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 okay, Grant, we'll, we'll reread this or we'll relook at it. And they did. And they came back with a, a much better phrasing of the terms and conditions that they wanted to mm. impose anyway and gave people lots of warning about it and it seems to have gone without incident. Yeah, yeah, I, thankfully. Anyways, there we go. So that's, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it is the middle of July now at this stage, so uh, there's not a lot happening. So I think we've done all right, actually. <laughs> I think we've done okay. <laughs> we've yeah. done all right. <laughs> Grand stuff. Listen, Niall, thanks for keeping us up to date, as always, with what is happening in the world. Remember, we do keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more you can grab for free at our website, techcentral.ie. And of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall, thank you as always for listening and have a fantastic weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.